You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I, last year, uh, I, I sort of stopped watching television partly because last year I got sucked into this uh, documentary program that originally aired on BBC, and I think probably in the United States is on Discovery or something. I don't know. I was watching it on Netflix. It's called Life Below Zero. Have you heard of this or seen it? It takes place in Alaska in the wilderness. It follows people who live in like the remotest areas of Alaska, and it sort of demonstrates their everyday struggles to survive based on subsistence hunting and things like that, Um, you know, chopping down trees and splitting the logs so that they can have fire to not freeze to death from day to day. And I would uh, voraciously consume this show until 1 a.m., and part of me wanted to sort of sell everything and move my whole family to the Alaskan bush and to hack it on our own. I was uh, so uh, taken in by this that I wanted to to live life like that because the show taps into a sort of a fundamental American value. It really speaks to my American heart when I watch something like this because that fundamental American value is, is independence independence. Or you could say with this uh, life below zero, rugged individualism. Uh, Rugged individualism that's bred in all of us uh, due to our background in the American frontier, you know, with the the homesteaders. Whether you recognize it or not, this is a a part of you if you're an American. Um, And if you don't recognize uh, this description of American culture, just hear this from a website that helps refugees to transition into American culture. Their target audience is refugees who are moving to the United States. And this is at the very top of the page explaining life to them in the United States. It says this, in your country, you probably had a strong community and culture. In the United States, there are also important American values. These are the important parts of American culture. One of the main values in the United States is independence. Independence is sometimes referred to as individualism. Americans are very proud of being self-reliant or being able to take care of themselves, and they tend to think uh, others should be self-reliant as well. When someone reaches a goal that is typically seen as as the result of his or her own hard work, This is different than in many other cultures, which are more collective. Collective cultures tend to see accomplishments as a reflection of an entire family or community. Here is an example of how Americans value independence. American children tend to leave the home earlier than in other cultures. For example, after graduating high school, many children move out to go to college or start working. If they continue to live at home, They might be asked to pay rent or contribute to the house. 
Americans expect anyone who is able to work to do so in order to support themselves. Well, I hope you recognize that, whether you're an American or not, that that's a fair description uh, of American culture. And you can contrast what's said there at the end with my uh, Indian friends whose uh, parents live with them so that, uh, in their basement so that they might help raise uh, the grandchildren. Um, you can see the, the contrast there. With all of this in mind... Have you seen the Colin Kaepernick uh, commercial uh, from Nike, the two-minute-long ad, uh, the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It uh, motto for the Nike sports brand? Um, Have you seen this? Some of you, I hope. Some nodded heads. Um, It's all the rage on, um, you know, viral media. Sorry I'm reading so much at you. I'll speak speak more freely after I read this for a little bit. I just want to read to you the text of the, you know who Colin Kaepernick is, right? He was the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, which is my home team. Um, And, you know, a couple years ago, he uh, took a knee instead of standing up for the... um, the, uh, the national anthem, and therefore there's so much controversy around this. And for Nike to choose him for this ad, uh, they knew what they were doing. You know, it, it, it raises a lot of attention. And this is what he says, you know, just do it, the campaign. Uh, the, all these sort of emotionally charged images of sports uh, stars are flying through the screen. You don't know who's narrating it. You can see the back of his head, but he has an afro. So you have a sense of who it might be. And he's saying this. He says, if people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good, stay that way. Because what non-believers, isn't it fascinating, the sort of the religious language that they use in here? He says, because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult, it's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Iron Man after beating a brain tumor. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. Don't become the best basketball player ever. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Uh, That's that religious language again. When they uh, talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, make sure it's your team. If you uh, have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton... Don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. And this is when he turns around and you realize who it actually is. Um, There's there's a subtle message there um, with him taking a knee. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. Well, um, as I said, there's sort of these latent, uh, this latent language of faith in there, of belief, and it's a, a faith either in oneself uh, or in sort of arbitrary interest or hobby or sport. I mean, don't get me wrong. As I said, when watching the uh, Life Below Zero, part of me watches that and says, yeah, I want to go do something crazy too. 
<laughs> you know, I want to start running, even though I don't. Uh, you know, I want to. <laughs> I want to. You know, I want to not just get in shape and be healthy, but you know, be the fastest guy in my age class at the 5K or whatever, um, and nobody will care. Uh, but then the Nike ad uh, gets at a sort of uh, another idea. This Nike ad gets at another idea related to the individualism. I hope you see that independent, individualistic spirit in, in the Nike ad as well. And the other um, thing that it's getting at is, is conquering fear. A related uh, idea, another flip side to the same coin is, is conquering fear. You know, similar to the, the just do it thing uh, from my childhood, which came out around the same time for me uh, as a child, was the uh, brand which still exists, No Fear. Do you remember that? The uh, T-shirts, No Fear. I guess they sponsor mixed martial arts now. But when I uh, was a kid, I had this T-shirt that said at the back of it, um, bottom of the ninth, down by three, bases loaded, full count, two outs, no fear, you know, which wasn't true at all. I was a very scared 11-year-old boy who was wearing that shirt and never had that situation, that sort of idealized situation at the bottom of the ninth, and yet still I wore the shirt. And we, you know, we have, uh, we all have different expressions that are like, like just do it or, or no fear. If you've never used those or they haven't spoken to you, um, you have other things in the department of fear. People will say things like, uh, there is nothing to fear but fear itself, or with an acrostic, uh, false evidence appearing real uh, to explain fear. Or in the South, it's just, it's things like roll tide, right? Roll tide roll, rammer jammer, war eagle, fear, fearless and true, or at the lowbrow, get her done, you know? So that you have, and if it's not that for you, you've got your own version of it. Well, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, which, by the way, we're starting a new series in the fall uh, through Joshua, not the whole book, uh, there's too much to get through before uh, Christmas, but we'll hit some highlights. So the high, one of the highlights is the beginning. Um, and so today we're starting that. We'll skip next week with uh, Andrew will come and talk to us about... Um, Stewardship, and we'll come back in uh, two weeks with Joshua. But the very beginning of Joshua, God tells Joshua something that sounds real similar to all the stuff that I just laid out for you. He tells Joshua three times, three times, and did you notice that in our passage? Basically, to be strong and to have no fear, or as he says, courageous. Actually, once he says, uh, be very courageous. Um, and so, you know, at a sort of a, a cursory glance, if you're looking at this, you could say that maybe um, this looks quite similar to the just do it sort of um, message or to have no fear um, or whatever bumper sticker is on the back of your car. But there's a massive difference uh, between God's word to Joshua and those words, all those uh, words might be on the basis of individual strength, uh, so-called, and courage. Uh, but the strength and courage that God tells Joshua to have comes from God. The strength and courage that uh, the Lord tells Joshua to have come from him. So what's happening here? What, what's, the, the, what's, what's the story? What's in the background? Well, Moses, who's the star of Exodus, after, uh, well, after God, uh, the main character there, he's God's lead servant. 
He has been for 40 years while they've been in the the wilderness, and he's just died at the end of Deuteronomy, at the end of their 40 years in the wilderness. And Joshua has been just been given that mantle to take over for Moses as God's chief prophet in the world. So now he's in the, the lineage of God's chief prophets, starting with people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then on to Moses. And now he's the guy. Uh, it's been passed on to Joshua. And uh, God has also given him and Israel a great promise and great promises. And the fact that God keeps his promises is a main theme in Joshua. Just keep that in mind. The fact that God keeps his promises is a main theme throughout Joshua. And what has God promised them? And what is he going to be using Joshua to be his servant for? He's promised them land. Uh, The land on the other side of the Jordan River, which is theirs by right because God has given it to them starting with Abraham and his promise to Abraham. In our passage, uh, the basis for Joshua's strength and courage uh, to lead these people across the Jordan River where there is no bridge and to go and do battle with all the people who are living there to kick them out of the land that belongs to them, uh, the strength and courage that he must have to be their leader has two sources. First of all, It's a dependence on God's presence, that he must depend on God being present. And second of all, the second source is God's word, Um, or here it says the law, which is probably the contents of most of Deuteronomy, the book that came before. And God has promised all of his servants, um, uh, beginning with with Abraham, along the way that uh, he would be with them. Uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Moses, and now to Joshua, that he would be with them. And God told, as God told Joshua's mentor, Moses, at the burning bush, right there at the burning bush, when he first encounters him, he says, I will be with you. And now he tells Joshua in our, in our passage, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you, which is a great memory verse. Uh, and so you see that Joshua's strength is not his own, but comes from God's presence, first of all. And secondly, as I said, um, the Lord charges Joshua to, to be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. So the second source of his strength is from God's word, as it is written, that he must read and meditate on. Uh, just as uh, Abraham from the beginning was to trust God's commands even uh, being willing to sacrifice his own son if God would command it and trust that God um, had his best interests in mind and would provide. And just as uh, Moses, when all of Israel had turned from God's command, there he stood alone holding God's commands in his hands. And he would intercede for Israel and renew uh, the agreement that they had with the Lord. So too Joshua is to find his strength and courage in God's word and God's promises in his word. And if we fast forward, if we fast very far forward to the life of Jesus Christ, we see him saying something quite similar. In Matthew 28, at the end of Matthew's gospel, we have the famous lines of the Great Commission, which you've heard so many times before probably. The Lord gives yet another charge and another promise 
And listen to these words. Do these sound similar? Um, Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, Just as he told his servant Joshua when commissioning him, he tells his disciples to observe all that he has commanded them. Uh, That is his, uh, his law, his word. And he also says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so um, their strength for this terrifying task of being the uh, first followers of Jesus Christ to go out into all the world and to bring everybody uh, to faith and Jesus as, uh, as well, this, their strength for that terrifying task is not their own. It doesn't come from them. But it comes from the Lord of heaven and earth. And it's not only uh, the mission of Jesus Christ's earliest disciples. This is also our commission, too. We must make disciples of all nations. and We must obey God and do so according to his word. And we must depend on his presence for strength and, his, and uh, believe in his promises, to trust in his promises to do so. But here's the thing. We will fail at this task. We do fail all the time. So where then is the hope for us failures who are so deluded to depend on our own strength? Well, did you know that the name Joshua means in Hebrew something like God saves? God saves. And in fact, you know, Israel will go on quickly, as we'll see in just a few chapters as we read the book of Joshua, Israel too will fail. You know, Joshua will fail. But God saves so much that he sends a second Joshua. He sends a second Joshua. Did you know that the name Jesus basically is the Greek translation of the name Joshua, which in Hebrew means Yahweh saves. And this was very deliberate to recognize him as a sort of second Joshua who will also uh, lead his people, that Yahweh will help through Jesus, that Yahweh will save through Jesus. Well, let me give you some, uh, some very good news about all of this. And I have to do a little bit of what seems like mathematics to explain this, but it's very basic. For those of you who like crunching numbers, I hope you'll easily follow this. For everyone else, it should make uh, enough sense. I've mentioned uh, some of the great prophets from the Old Testament, uh, from Abraham to Joshua. Well, Well, Jesus said about John the Baptist... Remember John the Baptist at the very beginning of the Gospels, who was the sort of last of the Old Testament prophets, the last of um, God's servants like Joshua before Jesus would come. He, Jesus said of John the Baptist, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So here's the calculus for our hope, Okay. 
God showed favor to prophets like Joshua, promising never to leave or forsake them. And they failed. And Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest Old Testament prophet. And yet he says, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Well, he's talking about you and me. He's actually, he's talking about you. He's talking about you and me. The failures that we are. The followers of Jesus Christ have even more confidence that he will not leave or forsake us. And that he strengthens us and fulfills his promises. Well, so, you know, just do it. Roll tide. Get her done. You know, be all that you can be. Join the army. Whatever your motto is that you live by, whatever it is, how's it going for you? How's that thing that um, is the meme in your mind, that is the wisdom that guides your life to have strength and fear, how's that going for you, at least without God? How is that going for you without God, uh, without Jesus Christ? I want to share something uh, really interesting with you. Um, about Colin Kaepernick, the one that half of our country hates, the one in that ad. No matter what you think of Kaepernick and his uh, controversial protest, and in spite of that, the main message of the Just Do It ad campaign, where he's the narrator, listen to this description of Kaepernick's tattoos on his body. If you know who he is, you've seen that he's all tatted up. Maybe you haven't paid any attention to the, the content of his tattoos before. Just shelve anything that you think about Colin Kaepernick right now, okay? This is, uh, this is from Wikipedia. <laughs> Kaepernick has multiple tattoos. His right arm features a scroll with a Bible verse, uh, Psalm 1839, written on it. And by the way, that is, uh, you armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. Tattooed under the scroll are praying hands with the phrase, To God the glory, written on them. To the left of both the scroll and praying hands is the word faith, written vertically. His left arm features a Christian cross with the words heaven sent on it, referring to Jesus. Written above and below the cross is the phrase, God will guide me. Written on the left and right of the cross is the Bible verse, Psalm 27, 3, which, by the way, is, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. His chest features the phrase, against all odds, and artwork around it that represents inner strength, spiritual growth, and humility. His back features a mural of angels against demons. Near the end of the 2012 NFL season, Kaepernick's signature touchdown celebration involved flexing and kissing his bicep on his right arm, not because he's depending on his own strength. Kaepernick says he kisses his faith to God the glory in Psalm 1839 tattoos, and the reason he does the celebration is because, quote, God has brought me this far. He has laid out a phenomenal path for me, and I can't do anything but thank him. Well, whatever you think of Colin Kaepernick, you might heed, at least, you might heed the wisdom of his tattoos. You know, if you don't follow the man, at least heed the wisdom of all the tattoos, the artwork all over his body. More than the wisdom of his Just Do It ad, or the wisdom uh, uh, that the, 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 uh, the world uh, goes by for strength. Wisdom without uh, 
God uh, makes us weak and afraid, but with God, we have strength and courage. And even if you fail, Jesus Christ had strength and courage for you. Even if you fail, Jesus Christ had enough strength and courage for you, strength and courage to lead you to the ultimate promised land, capital P, capital L, for all eternity on the other side of that River Jordan. I'm talking about uh, a restored heaven and earth that that Joshua came to lead us to, where there will be no more spiritual armies that will besiege you. And thank God for those who... um, Um, idealize rugged individualism like me, that the promised land is not surviving on our own in the Alaskan bush. As a matter of fact, hell might be like that. (laughs) Rather, the promised land is a a, a communal enterprise. It entails a God who provides all that we need. All we need to do in this life to survive is to live in light of that hope. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.